Shine 104.9, Darren Potzer, grateful for your company. Have a special guest in studio. You know, we partner on the Be Bold for Jesus events here at Shine 104.9 in Coeur d'Alene. One of the presenters that I heard recently was a gentleman named Russ Miller from a ministry called Creation Evolution Science Ministries. Welcome, Russ. Tell us a little bit more, I guess, about your ministry and you personally. Hi, Darren. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you on your program. Uh, And I live in northern Arizona, as a matter of fact, at about 6,800 foot elevation. So weather-wise, we're not uh, too dissimilar from you guys in this area. And for the past 21 years, my wife and I have run Creation, Evolution, and Science Ministries, which I do wish we'd come up with a shorter name, (laughs) but uh, that's what we started out with. And uh, generally, we go by our website, creationministries.org. That's most people call us that. So pleasure to be with you here this evening. was blown away by your presentation. We're going to get into that in a moment. But first, can you just share with us a little bit about your story? You were a successful business owner. Then what happened? God woke you up. I had a nationwide business I had started, ran for about 20 years, and had become a uh, trustee in my church, but I was what you would call a theistic evolutionist. That's not terribly untypical today. There are theistic evolutionists, progressive creationist age, theorists, gap theorists, etc., because the issue of the age of the earth is, is so confusing. People are trying to figure out how do we blend this into God's Word and we have this various uh, compromise beliefs trying to do just that. I was a theistic evolutionist. I have 174 college credits and came out of college. All you're taught is evolution in millions of years of time. And I, it didn't destroy my faith, but it certainly made me wonder how do we fit this into God's word. I wasn't someone who is actually out selling it to other people, but in my mind, that's how I, I made it fit together. Started my nationwide business. And at the age of 40, my plan was to retire at the age of 49 and spend the rest of my life uh, doing important things like playing golf, hunting Cape Buffalo in, in Zimbabwe, you know, the important things. But you always have to be open to the fact that God just might have another plan for your life. And at the age of 40, my wife got some information that showed me that actually biblical creation is absolutely true and that God's word is completely believable and that Darwinian evolution and their foundations of millions of years beliefs are quite questionable and that real science is actually on the side of the Bible believing Christian. Real science is a believer's best friend. I ended up giving my business away and going into this ministry feeling it was more important to get this information out to people and that's how we got into our ministry 21 years ago. I walked just cold turkey away from my business of 21 years, gave it to a guy who'd worked for me for 13 years, and that's what we've been doing now for 21 years. So give us a little more picture of what you're doing now means, because I met you at a conference making a presentation on this debate between creation, evolution, the Bible, science, this and that. But my understanding is you also lead tours through the Grand Canyon. Tell us a little bit more about your ministry. Okay. When I first started, I thought my calling was to go into college campuses because at that time we were losing to 80 to 85% of our Christian raised kids by the age of 20. So I started going on college campuses, renting auditoriums and 
presenting our top 10 Darwinian frauds out of the textbooks and just crushing Darwinism. And it had a huge impact on the campuses. It'd be on the front page of the papers for several weeks in a row. One college began a, an official uh, accredited course attacking me and biblical creation as a result. One biology teacher quit her job, became a Christian, and now teaches science in a Christian school. It had a huge impact. And I went on college campuses not to argue with the atheists, even though if they, they got saved in the crossfire, that was fantastic. But I, was, I, I knew I could reach that 80 to 85 percent of Christian kids whose faith was about to be destroyed, and it had a huge impact with them. However, I soon discovered I was getting attacked not only by the atheist professors, but the campus pastors tended to line up with them and attack me. And the reason was because of the old earth beliefs, of which I had come out of theistic evolution, they were so inundated, over 90% of our Christian schools and seminaries now teach one of those beliefs, that they actually lined up with the atheists to attack me. And what God showed me, Darren, was that really and truly where the harvest is ripe is inside of the church. We have people who are truly seeking we have people that are doing their best to believe, but they're so mixed up on these secular atheist teachings, which are taught as science, and they're not. They're religious beliefs. Millions of years and Darwinism are two religious beliefs. I just was shown by God that that's where the harvest is ripe. And so we started realizing our calling was actually to evangelize the church, and that's where we focus. Now, I can still go on a college campus. I can still, I, we do conferences. We speak in churches where were invited, and I do lead Grand Canyon tours. I started leading Grand Canyon tours, oh, back in 2003, 2004, and as a matter of fact, God's allowed us to take more uh, people on Christian-based tours of Grand Canyon than all other creation ministries combined, and we've been doing that for quite a while now. If you're intrigued, my guest today is Russ Miller of Creation Ministries, his website, creationministries.org. More with Russ in just a few moments. Shine 104.9, Darren Potzer, grateful for your company this evening. Have a special guest in studio. You know, I was at the Be Bold for Jesus conference recently. Such a great conference. Hope you'll be able to attend next year. And one of the presenters was named Russ Miller with a ministry website called creationministries.org. Russ shared with us a few moments ago about his background. Now, Russ, a huge issue as we come out of public high schools, colleges, universities, and as we grapple with the world that we live in, is how could there possibly be a biblically loving God when we see so much suffering around us, you know, illnesses, diseases, the innocent suffering? Give us a little perspective in your presentations and seminars on how you address that massive question about a loving God. Oh, Darren, that is such an important question today. In fact, Uh, professional skeptics, and schools are full of them, unfortunately, that's one of the first questions they'll ask a young Christian. And a Christian, no matter how recently they become a Christian or if they put 50 years and built, thrown in their faith that entire time, I think the simple question, how can we have a loving God in a world full of death and suffering, has to be the number one question because we've all suffered losses. We've had loved ones died and get injured. We've seen other people who have, have had loved ones pass away or, or become ill. And 
it's one of the first questions a good, knowledgeable skeptic will ask a Christian to put doubt in their mind about the truth of God's Word. So how do we answer the question, how can there be a loving God in a world full of death and suffering? Now, biblically, the answer is found in Genesis 1 and 3, right up front. And here's the biblical answer. And the answer is, God didn't give us the world the way it is today, full of death and suffering. God gave us a perfect creation. Well, what in the world happened to it? It's not perfect today. Well, Adam's original sin happened to it. Adam's original sin brought on the curse that allowed death to enter, and that's why we live in a world full of death and suffering today, yet we have a loving biblical God. Now, that's a very simple answer, and it's right there in the book of Genesis. But the answer should go further than that, and the rest of the answer should include that Adam's original sin that allowed death to enter also separated us from our loving God, requiring that we be redeemed with him. Well, Darren, we've got a big problem there because to, to re, be redeemed with God, we have to be 100% righteous without sin. But no human being can, can go and be sinless. We're, we're born in sin, and we have a sin nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I usually ask people, hey, be honest with yourself. Have you ever told even a little white lie? Well, that makes you a liar uh, and, and thus a sinner. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? That makes you a thief and a sinner, which means you can't redeem yourself with God. So we've got a big problem because We're separated by our sin, and we can't redeem ourselves with God. So God, being so loving, sent his only begotten Son. The Word of God, our Creator, who created all things, became flesh and dwelt among us. Our Creator is our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a sinless life, shed his blood on a cross, his shed blood covering our sin, so we could put on his righteousness and spend eternity with him in heaven. And the only thing that God asks of us is that we believe in Jesus Christ. We repent of our sins, we believe in Jesus, and only because of God's grace and mercy, not because of ourselves, we get to spend eternity with him in heaven, a loving God. And that's the answer to how can you have a loving God in this world full of death and suffering? Mm. It's Russ Miller with a ministry called creationministries.org. That's the website. Check it out, creationministries.org. Russ, I heard you share an amazing statistic during your presentation about the impact teaching evolutionary origins and Darwinism has had in public high schools across our, I don't know if you'd even call it a Christian country anymore, but that's the way it was founded. What impact has Darwinism had on our youth of today? Darren, such an important question. In fact, if people look around them today or turn on the news, if they can stand it for five or ten minutes, and say, what in the world is going on with our nation? Well, the answer goes back to about 58 years ago in 1963. We kicked prayer and creation out of our schools and started teaching our future generations. They had evolved over millions of years of death and suffering without God. Now, that that debacle took place in 63, and it's just been downhill ever since. I would suggest people take two minutes and read Romans 1, 15 to 32, keeping 1963 in mind, and it will blow you away that God is in full control and giving us exactly what he said he would do. What was the scripture reference you told us to read again? Romans 1, 
15 to 32. Only take two minutes to read it, but keep 1963 when we kicked prayer and creation out of our schools in mind. It'll pretty much tell you what's going on today. Back in 1962, and at that time, for 190 years as a nation, and even for 150 years prior to that, so almost 340-some-odd years, we had raised our children with daily prayer to God and teaching them biblical creation. Now, in 1962, our nation was number one in the world in uh, science, education, mathematics, engineering, technology, military power, standard of living, on and on it goes. But then we kicked basically turned our back on God in 63. And I should say, how are we doing today, 58 years later, right? Mm -hmm. In 1962, two out of three high school grads in America believe the Bible was true. Today, it's one out of 50. Mm. Two out of three to one out of 50. And if you look at what's going on in our world, and our kids are trying to destroy their own futures here, not realizing what they're doing, just keep in mind 1963 when we turned our back on God, and we are reaping the fruit today. Was that a Supreme Court ruling, or you referenced 1963? Yeah, there was, uh, you go back to 1947, and the Supreme Court discovered a a separation of church and state in the First Amendment, which is, of course, nowhere in the First Amendment, came from a private letter Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Connecticut Baptists, assuring them that the Constitution and put up a wall of separation. And the meaning was to keep Christian principles in the government, but to keep the government out of the church. Boy, has that been turned around 180 degrees today. But that was in 1947. And and believe it or not, while ruling in favor of using federal funds to support religious school activities. So 15 years later in 1962, the law had evolved and the Supreme Court used the same finding to outlaw prayer in school. And then in 1963, we removed prayer and biblical creation and have since then taught our kids they evolved over millions of years of death and suffering through a tooth and claw survival of the fittest context, and there was no God involved. That's what we've officially taught as if it were science, when really it's a belief on how it came about. Is, is religion, is Christianity, the Bible, opposed to science? Russ Miller. Well, actually, real science is a believer's best friend. I spoke in a high school a couple weeks ago, and so I started out, God gave this to me, and I asked, hey, how many of the branches of the 200 or so branches of modern science do you guys think were started by Christians? None. No, try 82%. 82% of the branches of modern science were begun by Christians to study God's creation. The greatest scientists of history, Isaac Newton, the greatest scientist of all time, wrote over a million pages about the Bible. Louis Pasteur, the father of the scientific method, Sir Francis Bacon, the greatest scientists and 82% of the branches of science started by Christians. And that's why we have modern science today is because of Christianity. You can't set out to study random chance. We'd still be in the dark ages with Darwinism. Now, real science has been undermined by secular atheists over the last 150 years, and now they own the system. But real science has always been and still is a believer's best friend. Russ Miller, check him out on his website, creationministries.org. We're going to get a little more into Darwinism and more coming up with Russ Miller in just a few moments. You know, coming out of public high schools, we hear so much about our origins, Darwinism. Can you define evolution for us, Russ? Absolutely. And it's a word that needs to be defined. 
Darren, in real science, which is a believer's best friend, in real science and real engineering, we break things down to the trillionth of a degree. But if you try to, to nail down a biology professor on a definition of Darwinian evolution or the word evolution, it's very hard. It's like nailing jello to a wall to get them to define the term. And there's a reason for that. Darwinian or macro change requires massive amounts of new and beneficial genetic information being added to an existing gene pool to change, let's say, a, a, a dog into a whale, which is almost verbatim what they teach in the school, a canine involving a whale over the magic ingredient millions of years of time. But that would be Darwinian macro change. The reason they won't define macro from micro, let's say, is that there has never been a viable example of Darwinian macro change to show anybody caused by the addition of massive amounts of new and beneficial genetic information. Now, microevolution is the only thing that real science ever finds, and they find it in every experiment on this issue. Now, microevolution, you could call it microadaptations or microvariations. It's all the same thing. So microchange, microevolution, variation, adaptation, microchange is simply changes within the same kind of a plant or an animal. Let's take dogs, for instance, because we're all familiar with dogs. Many of us have loved pets. We have over 350 types of dogs on earth today, but they're all still dogs. The changes uh, in dogs can be well, engineered through human intelligence, through breeding programs where you're breeding dogs together to have traits that you like. Mm -hmm. And they when you- They become hairier, they- Yeah. Yeah, some of the different adaptations that we see, right? Yeah, I, I've, I've had a, a yellow lab and the way they produce yellow labs was they would breed uh, traits together until, until the, and they're losing what they don't want. They're not gaining information. They're losing through, it's called gene depletion. They're breeding the same type dog together, losing the information they don't want until you end up with a purebred. So micro changes, dogs producing dogs, even with changes, those are the micro adaptations, et cetera. Birds' beaks getting longer, so many examples. Exactly, which is what Darwin observed. He actually observed micro change. Uh, he jumped to the erroneous conclusion of Darwinian macro change, but we didn't know anything about genetics back then, so he didn't know about gene depletion, and that was caused by the loss of information. But these micro changes are caused by the sorting of the loss of the parent's gene pool. So the gene pools get weaker and weaker, the exact opposite of what Darwinian macro evolution requires. So they're just kinds bringing forth after their kind, dogs producing dogs, people produce people, etc. And the reason that's vital for people to understand that kinds bring forth after their kind is that 10 times in the book of Genesis, we're told that plants or animals will bring forth after their kind. And Darren, after millions of scientific experiments on this issue, the only thing that has ever been found observed in every single experiment is that kinds will only bring forth after their kind just like the Bible said. Are there some quasi-species that are partway between the two? The missing links. Yeah. There, there are none in the fossil record that will hold up to scientific scrutiny. They only have a handful that even run up the flagpole, and those get scientifically debunked. Sometimes it takes years to get them out of the textbooks. And then they just get replaced by other, let's call, be nice and call them misinterpreted pieces of evidence. Some people might refer to them as frauds. 
but there are no viable examples of Darwinian macro to show anybody. And all we see, once again, are changes within the same kind of plant or animal, which the kind is a, is a biblical term close to the scientific term family. So you only see kinds bringing forth after their kind. These micro-changes caused by the loss, sorting or loss of the parent's gene pool, gene depletion, have to do with the reasons that there are no examples of Darwinian macro to show. Gene depletion plus natural selection makes Darwinian macro evolution a scientific impossibility. Things are losing information, not gaining, and if they lose too much, they die off. We, we call that natural selection, but it's really just God's quality assurance program keeping everything from going extinct through the loss of information through mutations. Summarize for me, if I was brought up believing that Darwinian evolution was the basis for my origin as a human being, what would you say to someone like that to tear that down or to make them think twice that would be understandable to most mainstream radio listeners? Let's forget about the scientific law of biogenesis that life only comes from life. And let's, let's say Darwinists were correct and non-life came to life, even though it's never been observed and it goes against scientific law. Let's, let's give them a bacteria cell. Well, how much genetic information did that bacteria cell have to lose through gene depletion to become you? How much genetic information did that bacteria cell lose in order to become a human being? And that would be the one way to get them to start thinking that, wow, that is a scientific impossibility. Shine 1049, Darren Potts are grateful to have a special guest in studio this evening joining me, keeping me company, and that's Russ Miller. Just met him at the Be Bold for Jesus conference from a ministry and his website, which is creationministries.org. Encourage you to check it out. Now, Russ, you touched on something that caught my interest. Share a little bit more about the God founding of this nation. Well, Darren, today our history has been largely rewritten, and uh, that is a Karl Marx idea on how to undermine a, a nation, rewrite their history. But if you go to Washington, D.C., you can take a Christian tour of D.C., and you'll be blown away by what you'll see. Uh, Christian-oriented engravings, Bible verses, etc., in the federal institutions, in the stone walls, etched into precious metals and brass and gold, and on federal institutions around our nation's capital. Uh, you go into the Capitol building and the rotunda, two out of three of the 18-foot-wide paintings have Christian themes like Pocahontas being baptized. If you enter the chamber where the Congress meets, you'll go through a main door that looks directly into the face of the Speaker of the House when they're at the podium. When they look up, right above that door that you've just entered is a marble relief of one person's face. And the one whose entire face you see, when the Speaker of the House looks up, they're looking right into the eyes of Moses. You, you see our Christian-based themes throughout all of the federal institutions and, and the great monuments that were prior to 1963 when we kicked creation pro out of our schools. Uh, on top of the Washington Monument, when they dedicated it in 1884, they put an aluminum cap it's 545 feet above the ground in D.C. The east-facing side is the first things lit by the rays of the sun every day in Washington, D.C. since 1884. And, Darren, they, they etched in the Latin words laus deo, which translate, praise be to God. The first thing lit by the rays of the sun every day in Washington, D.C. Now, a lot of these things are being erased today. They're being rewritten. Kids aren't being told about this in school. 
But the Christian foundation, moral foundation of our nation is on display around Washington, D.C., and I would suggest people go there and take a Christian tour of the area. Laos Dale, praise be to God. Russ Miller, creationministries.org is the website. Check it out. I would like to ask this question. What is driving the Darwinism in our public schools and universities today? What is driving the rewriting of our nation's godly founding in our textbooks? What's behind it? Well, I would suggest at the core level, we're, we're involved in a great war of worldviews. This is a war that actually started in the Garden of Eden, and at the foundational level, it's Satan versus God, the secular or humanistic worldview versus the biblical worldview. The other side has taken over science and education. They now teach their beliefs. Millions of years of time, that's a belief, leading to Darwinian evolution, another belief on how we came about. And those have been taught as if they're science now for 58 years, and it's having a massive impact on our nation. A lot of that goes back to Karl Marx, the father of communism, and even Saul Alinsky, uh, the original community organizer who published his book, uh, 1971, uh, and his book was about the takeover of the United States of America by Marxists. He was a neo-Marxist, and he was known as the original community organizer. His rules included dividing people every way you can, divide people by race, religion, income, gender, anything you can. We certainly see that taking place today. To what purpose? To what purpose? Divide people and destroy their trust in biblical morals and absolutes so the nation would implode upon itself, and then they could march in with their Marxist regime. We are on the precipice of that today. All this division, and Alinsky said that the number one weapon they had for people who refused to compromise was name-calling. Call them a racist, a homophobe, anything, unloving. Call them names, and people, even the people that support them, will back off and leave them standing on their own because people are so afraid of being called names. Now, remember, Olansky was the original community organizer. So we are, we are definitely going through Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. That was the name of his books, Rules for Radicals, about the neo-Marxist takeover specifically of the United States of America, published in 71, and we are enduring the outcome of that today. Russ Miller, his website is creationministries.org. Check it out, creationministries.org. Fascinating presentations. He tours around the country. I'm going to wrap up with him in just a few moments. You're listening to Shine 104.9. Shine 104.9, Darren Potzer at the Be Bold for Jesus conference. Recently, I had the pleasure of listening to a presentation by a gentleman from Creation Evolution Science Ministries, and the website is creationministries.org. His name is Russ Miller. He's in studio with me. Russ, share with us what you do today. You lead tours of the Grand Canyon, right? I do, Darren. I have been blessed to lead thousands and thousands of people on Grand Canyon tours. I used to lead raft trips through the canyon. I've rafted the entire length 13 times, certain sections up to 60 times. But now we do rim tours, rim and raft tours, and grand staircase tours. Well, let me just say, but it's it's not just a tour for the sake of having a nice visit to Arizona. It's with a purpose. Absolutely. 
Grand Canyon is one of the, the five pillars of secular beliefs. That's where they get you to believe in millions and billions of years of time, which is the foundation for Darwinism, humanism, etc. What we do is we go to Grand Canyon and we show overwhelming proof the canyon formed quickly. A few things they won't mention at the canyon. When you go with us to the canyon, I can show you where the original creation rock is and where the first of the flood or judgment layers lay right on top of the creation rock. I can also explain to you when you're on the edge of the canyon looking down, it's a mile from the rim down to the river, one mile of rock layers below you. What they won't mention at the canyon is that one mile is nothing. There used to be two miles of stratified layers above today's rim of the canyon that have been removed from southern Utah all the way to the sea leaving behind what's geologically called the Grand Staircase, which is uh, the 2,500-foot pink cliffs of Bryce. You drop 40 miles south, you, you drop down the next step, which is the 2,500-foot white and gray cliffs where Zion cuts through, drop down another 45 uh, miles, you have the 2,000-foot Vermilion Cliffs. Drop another 100 miles, you have the 2,000-foot Mogollon Rim that cuts across northern Arizona from east to west. The Grand Staircase, 150 times more sediments missing from it than what's missing from that puny little Grand Canyon. Uh, you know, Grand Canyon is quite frankly just a hole in the ground, but it's a very famous hole in the ground. What's spectacular is when you explain people the biblical view, which blows away the secular view. So that's what we do at Grand Canyon. There's a lot of other things we can share there too, but that's what the trip's about. You mentioned Creation Rock. I'd never heard of that before. We surmise that during the uh, the global flood, as the fountains of the deep erupted for the first 150 days of the flood, they eroded the top roughly one and a half to two miles of the original crust. Then as these waters and the sediments were rolling around the planet, they were stratifying and separating the grains of those sediments by grain size, weight, and density. And over the last 150 day period of the flood, they started laying those sediments down. But they're now separated by grain size, weight, and densities, and that's the reason we have the stratified layers that make up the crust of the earth. All the shale grains together, all the sandstone grains together, etc. If they had formed slowly over long ages of time, it'd just be a big brown conglomerate. The stratification is because of the moving water, much like a miner gets some sediments and water in his pan, sloshes it back and forth in the moving water, separates the grains in, his, in those sediments, Gold being the denseness falls to the bottom. We just have that on a global scale because, uh, as God told us, he judged man's sin with a flood that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. I've even heard there's seashells found at some of the highest mountains. Is that true? Most all of the world's tallest mountains are littered with seashells, including the Himalayas. Now, people will say, well, there's not enough water to cover the Himalayas. Well, that's true, but the mountains arose at the very end of the flood. They, they were not there at the start of the flood. So if you had a relatively even surface of our planet, the water would be almost two miles deep right now over the entire planet. Lots of water on our planet. Russ Miller, check him out on his website, creationministries.org. It's a chance, Russ, just to wrap up and share your final words. Tell us a little bit more about what we can find on your website and with your ministry. Darren, probably one of the most important things I would mention, I try to make things easy to understand. We do this for our various teachings. They're all on our 
videos and DVDs and thumb drives. I do not copyright them. I tell people, hey, get our, get our information, our videos, and make a million copies. Give them to everybody you know. Ask them to make copies. Just our message, the top 10 Darwinian frauds in the textbooks, is absolutely life-changing. Every Christian kid in America should see this. It would change so many of their lives for eternity. Biblical creation and prayer have been kicked out of public schools for 58 years, but coming in January, there will be a creation-based course that will qualify for public education high school elective credits. There is a Christian school, Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, that has exemplary accreditation status. There's only 17 Christian schools in the world to have achieved this. And what that means is a kid, whether in homeschool, public school, Christian school, etc., they can take that course and it will qualify as a public school, high school elective credit toward their graduation. So public school kids can take it and use it for credit. The course is Creation Science and Biblical Worldview, and folks can find information on that on my site, which is creationministries.org slash high school. Creationministries.org. It's based on my book, Cost, which is Creation, Original Sin, Separation, and Our Need for Redemption, represented by the cross. And that covers the top 10 Old Earth beliefs, the top 10 Darwinian beliefs, the top 10 reasons to believe in biblical creation in the flood. I explain Grand Canyon and Mount St. Helens and so much more in that book. And all of our DVDs are in that 18-week course as well. So again, visit our website, creationministries.org. And if you want to find about information about that high school class and share it with others, just add slash high school to our websites. So grateful to have you with us today, Russ. Keep up the good work. God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing around our country to share the truth of the biblical narrative, the Genesis narrative about our origins. Check him out, creationministries.org. You're listening to Spokane's Shine 104.9. Shine 104.9.